Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, as we look into your word now, even as we have been going word by word, we pray that you'd make the word of the day a word that does not return to you void when we speak it, but one that lodges in our hearts and our minds and encourages us and helps us more clearly identify ourselves even as we reflect upon it. So, Father, we give ourselves now to this and pray that your Spirit would guide us, direct us, enlighten us, strengthen us, and help us. Even if we need to stay awake, help us do that. Because we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I say that because I know there's a couple of people in this church who work night shifts... And come to Sunday, I'm, gl- I'm delighted that you're here. And a couple of you had said to me, now, if you see me dozing off, hey, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. The Spirit can minister to your spirit, even if your brain is turned off. I'm just glad you're here. This is where God can do supernatural things in our midst, and we want him to do that this morning. So today, we're getting very near the end of the year. And we're continuing, almost wrapping up our year-ending series that we've just called Words to Live By. Individual words of God's Word. Words to live by. As I said last week, words are powerful things. Words can be compelling things. Single words. Words all by themselves can generate images that, that can just captivate our minds and convey concepts that impact and transform our lives. There might be times in our life where we testify that way back then when I heard that word and heard it explained, it stuck in my mind and it's been kind of like an anchor for me. That one word communicates so much of God's truth that is so meaningful to me and and we want to be going through words like that, biblical words. And we've been following them, creating a list now. So far, we've allowed these words to to form images in our mind. Remember the first one, the word logos, John's special word, in the beginning, first verse of his gospel, in the beginning was the logos. He chose the Greek language the Holy Spirit did to communicate this truth. So logos was that that Greek term, more than just the word for word. It was a word that conveyed, uh, in the beginning was the thing. In the beginning was the reason. In the beginning was the purpose of it all. In the beginning was the reason for it all. The logos was right there from the very beginning, and the Logos was with God, and in fact, the Logos was God. 
God is the reason of it all. So we talked about Logos, and then we followed up talking about faith and hope and joy. And then that, that reality that's called abiding, abiding. And then fellowship. And just last week we discussed the word freedom. The freedom that we have in Christ. Here's today's word to live by. It's the word peace. Now that's a pretty good Christmas word, isn't it? It fits in there somewhere, probably on our tree. It must say there somewhere. Well, there it is, right down there. It says, Prince of Peace. Peace. What is it? What does it mean? Um, it's a, a settled contentment. It's the absence of stress and turmoil. All you mothers with little children know what peace is. It's the, it's the opposite of what you experience every single day. The absence of stress and turmoil Settled contentment deep down inside that just causes you to say, ah. And those moments are far too rare, aren't they? But it's a great condition to be in when you're in it. Living in peace, that is, living with no sense of internal stress or turmoil doesn't mean everything around me is at peace, but I'm at peace inside me. No internal stress or turmoil. What a marvelous reality if we can experience it. Today's key concept I'd share just as we get going today. Number one, only born-again believers can experience peace. That is the kind of peace that we're talking about this morning. The kind of peace conveyed by the biblical word, peace. Only born-again believers can experience, capital P, peace. That's why when you were not saved, life wasn't very peaceful. There was always something churning along, something bothering you, something that could get at you pretty quickly and just disrupt you from the inside out. Only born-again believers can experience something opposite to that. No unbeliever can. Peace is not a natural, normal condition. You see, the Bible tells us, talking about the human state, man is not naturally at peace with himself. Has yourself ever bugged you? <laughs> Man is not naturally at peace with himself, with that inner sense of who I am, what I'm doing, and that part of me that seems to have its own mind of what ought to be going on sometimes. We seem like we're several people. All at war. Man is not naturally at peace with himself. Man is not naturally at peace with his fellow man. Isn't it amazing how annoying people are? <laughs> Linda and I had an experience last night. We met a fellow. There was a, a, a little get-together in our little development that somebody had an open house, and, and, and we went along, and, 
And I, I met this man who was a completely cheerful man. And Linda had talked to him and his wife, getting to know them. And then I realized who he is. There's a man, this man, in our community, who every morning when I walk the dog, I thought about two years ago he must have had a heart uh, problem because he started walking all of a sudden. And I mean, he was like, and I could see he got better and better, like he's gaining more strength, and now he chugs around pretty good. I always think he's about three times my age. He's probably younger, really. But as I'm walking the dog around the circle that is kind of most of the homes that were built the time our home was built was just built in kind of a, a circle area so you can walk right around it. And he walks around it. He lives in our sort of same area. And usually as I'm going this way around with Bob, our dog, he's coming this way, so we'll pass him twice. Well, once the weather got a little colder, he was wearing a parka. It's all over his head. And I always had him tabbed as kind of an old, grumpy guy. Now I'm thinking he probably thinks I'm an old, grumpy guy. <laughs> so we're, we're going around and we're going around and, and it's like, don't bother me is the vibe you get. And usually he's listening to something, so it's like, don't interrupt me. So I just make sure my dog doesn't attack him or anything. And we just go by, hi, hi, hi. I didn't know his name. Now, I know your assessment of me as pastor is going way down at this point. You don't know all your neighbors. You, don't, you haven't talked to all of them about the Lord. Well, anyway, hi. Hi. And usually, from what I can see, especially in cold weather, where I can only see from here to here and here to here, it's like, don't bug me. And he says, hey. That's his cheerful response. Hey. Last night, I met him with his parka off. He looked younger, he was cheerful, he was animated, and then he says to us, you know, I've thought several times, he said to his wife, I should stop and introduce myself to this fella. We pass each other every... And I'm thinking, my goodness, my goodness, I could be at peace with that guy. <laughs> and it sounds like he's willing to be at peace with all of his neighbors, and I had that totally read wrong, but... The truth of it is inside, we're not naturally at peace with our fellow men. There's so many things we can interpret that would just say, I think I'll just leave them alone. Certainly man is not naturally at peace with God. By the way, let me tell you, this morning I'm driving out to come to church and he was walking down the road all bundled up and I came down and I honked my horn, and he looked around with a smile, and he waved. It's like, Took us two years to get to that point. So, peace can be elusive. And peace is kind of a, a natural condition that we don't know much about in our natural state. So today, I want us to turn our attention towards something that none of us just naturally has. And yet it's something that we all naturally desire. Something that we can imagine. Something good. 
And it is something that our Heavenly Father wants us to enjoy. So consider with me this morning, we'll just go quickly through this, three aspects of peace, biblically speaking. Each of them is distinct from the other. Each of them is remarkable. Three aspects of peace, biblically speaking. First of all, the Bible talks about the peace we can have with God. I'd call that God-generated peace. It's peace that God makes happen. And only God can generate it. Only God can make it happen. To come to a place where there's no barriers between us, no stress or strain in our relationship with him, no stress or strain were we to walk right into his presence. Now, in his letter to the Ephesian believers, the Apostle Paul reminded them, though they were Christians now, as he wrote to them, he reminded them that there had been a time when they had been separated from Christ. They had been excluded from the family of God, from the citizenship in Israel. And thus, he said, they were foreigners to all of God's covenants of promise. And they were, therefore, without hope and without God. No peace with God. They didn't know God. They weren't part of God. They were without hope and without God in the world. We could add that there had been a time when they, just like us, had had no personal relationship with God had known nothing of the saving, sacrificial work of Jesus Christ on Calvary, were completely in the dark. It was a time when they had not known, as Paul would tell the Ephesians just a a little bit later, two verses later, that Christ himself is our peace. Christ himself is our peace. They had been lost in sin. They'd been living in sin. They were therefore enemies with a holy, holy God. Because a holy, sinless God can't have anything to do with uh, unholy, sinful human beings. Certainly it would have been with fear and trembling that any of them or any of us before we were saved It would have been with a certain fear and trembling that any of us would have contemplated meeting face-to-face with the judge of the universe. No sinner. No sinner can possibly feel peaceful in God's presence. No ordinary person with a functional conscience can possibly feel at peace with God. No normal human being knows anything about the peace of heart that only God himself can make possible. But praise God, there's been a change in what is normally known and felt. Faith in Jesus Christ changes everything. Here's what Paul wrote in his epistle to the Romans. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore... Now, he had talked about a lot of important stuff, and so he starts this verse by saying, therefore, in light of all that important stuff, the fact that men are sinners and God is righteous and Jesus died for us, and therefore, since, 
since we've had been justified by faith? And that's the, that's the big question. Have you been justified by faith? You see, you can't be justified, that is made right in the eyes of God, by just living good enough to get right in God's eyes. Because none of us can be that righteous. None of us can be that right. We have a tendency from the day we're born to do our own thing in our own way and rebel against God and rebel against any authority and to just stack up sinful thoughts and behaviors until we have a long record of them. We are not right with God. We cannot walk into a holy God's presence and be welcomed. We are, we are a, a stain before him. But Paul says here, since we've been justified through faith, well, faith in what? See, that's where Jesus is our peace. Jesus is the one who lived the perfect life. Jesus is the one who then laid down his life as a substitute for you and for me. And Jesus paid the price of our sins. And the question is, do we dare believe that? You've probably known people. I've known people. You've probably maybe at some time were such a person that would say, it can't be that easy. You can't just believe in what Jesus did and God will say, well, that takes care of your sin. I will make it. I will justify you, to use the old phrase. I will make it just as if you had never sinned because Jesus has completely wiped your slate clean. Do you believe that? Do you believe in him? Will you accept him as the only one who could wipe your slate clean? And he, in fact, has died in your place. If you believe that, that's all that's necessary. Because faith doesn't come easy to human beings. Faith even has to be helped along its way by God and by the Spirit of God himself. But if we come to a place where we say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior, I believe that he died on the cross for me, I believe that he's the Son of God and he lived a perfect life, and I believe that because what he did on Calvary I can be forgiven, and I have asked God to forgive me, and I believe I am forgiven. And Paul says, it's through that belief, it's through faith in Christ that we've been justified, that is made right in God's presence, and therefore, what does it say? We have peace with God. You can walk right into the throne room of God, a holy God, he's just as holy as he ever was. But the difference is you're not as sinful as you once were. In his eyes, he sees you as being completely cleansed and forgiven because Jesus has died on your behalf and you are trusting in his glorious son and that pleases him and he sees you as just being another one of his children as pure, as innocent, as sinless as Jesus himself. And so why would God the Father be having any problem with you? Why should you feel nervous walking into his presence? 
See, the marvelous thing that Jesus has done is he's made your relationship with a righteous God to be a peaceful one. Instead of the Heavenly Father saying, as soon as you peek in the door, here comes that sinner. And that sinner deserves punishment. And you're peeking in the door saying, and here I come as a sinner. And I deserve punishment. I don't really want to enter into the presence of God. I know what I deserve. See, what Jesus has done has eliminated all of that. All of that tension, all of that worry, all of that anxiety, all of that animosity. And all of a sudden you can walk into God's presence just like we do this morning in worship and we find the Father saying, come, come. It's a delight to have you in my presence. You, you are as sinless as my son was sinless. We can fellowship together. We can have peace, a peaceful discord. Because you've been justified by your faith in Jesus Christ and declared to be completely at peace with me. That's what the Father says. That's peace with God. That's an awesome thing. So Paul says, therefore, in light of all that Jesus has done, since we've been justified through faith, we do have peace with God. Now, as an old seminary professor of mine would say, that's a God-generated, God-orchestrated alteration in man's state of affairs. Faith in Jesus' death on Calvary brings reconciliation, brings forgiveness between that holy God and a formerly sinful human being. That's awesome. Everything that God hates has been forgiven. It's been cleansed. It's been done away with. And peace with God comes as a result of that faith that you and I place in Jesus Christ. Now, how about those who choose not to believe? Well, the reality first shared by the prophet Isaiah still remains. Here's what Isaiah said hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth. Isaiah 48, verse 22, he just says flat out, analyzing the situation, there is no peace for the wicked, for sinful human beings. For those who are going their own way, doing their own thing, have not surrendered themselves to God and have not received Jesus Christ and his death on their behalf, there is no other way that they can have peace with God. And so Isaiah would say, both in this world, but in the world to come, there is no peace with God for those who reject God's way. I'm reminded of the bumper sticker that I saw some time ago. Maybe you've seen this one too. You might want to write this one down. It's a little, just a tiny little play on words. And it says this, know, that is K-N-O-W, know Jesus, know peace. But then right below it, it said know, that is N-O, know Jesus, no peace. See, the entire message of the Bible is focused upon how we can have peace with God. 
and enjoy life in his presence forever. That's a marvelous thing. You hear the word peace. You think to yourself, oh, I have through Jesus Christ peace with God, actually with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I can walk through this life at peace with the Holy Spirit. I can anticipate entering into God's presence someday as the judge of the whole universe and know that I'm at peace with him. I can look toward Jesus Christ in whose image I'm being being made and know that I have peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. For all that he has done, I have accepted and I rejoice in it and I thank him for it And someday that kind of peaceful relationship will be at the heart of our whole eternity. Born again, children of God, at peace with Father, Son, and Spirit. Here's the second thing, though, that that word can can suggest to us. The word peace, the Bible talks about the peace that comes from God. Not the peaceful condition we have with God, but the peace that comes from God. You see, God can give us peace in this world. It's good to know for all eternity we're at peace with God. By God's good grace, he's forgiven us. And when this life is over, we will be with him eternally in a state of peace and blessing and fellowship and all these things. But how about while we're still in this world? God can give us peace. You can picture it coming from heaven to earth, a divine enablement, a supernatural gift. And now here we are talking about that lack of tension. The way my life is going in this world, that calmness of heart, all of that that we will feel when we're in God's presence, the Father can give to us while we're still walking through this uh, broken, fallen world. This is peace from God. It's given supernaturally by God to his still earthbound, born again children. That's us. Peace while we're on earth. Now really, as I live our lives, that's, that's the challenge. Once we know we're saved, the challenge is living, Right? Living in a world that can still stir us up. Living in a world that can bring turmoil and stress to us. Living in a world where it seems like other people have more control over us than we have over ourselves. And we're forever struggling with this this churning inside of us. Or we're forever figuring out how to alleviate that churning inside of us. It may be get a new job. It may get find a new situation. It may be whatever it is. We got to deal with this. Because you'd say no matter what the Bible says about it, no matter what Pastor Mark says about it this morning, my life right now is not very peaceful. Maybe I should trade in my kids on some others. God can give us peace in this world. The point is, God sends it to those who are his, to those who are looking for it and counting on it. Now, David knew something about that long centuries before Jesus came to earth. In Psalm 29, David wrote, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. 
The Lord does that. David said that in Psalm 29, verse 11. Now, David knew that kind of peace in his heart even when he was pursued by King Saul, who was trying to kill him. David wrote in 1 Samuel 20, verse 3, he said, there's only a step between me and death. I'm being pursued by the enemies of of the Lord, really. Saul had rebelled against the Lord. The army was with him. David says, there's only a step between me and death. But in the 23rd Psalm, verse 5, David would say, thou preparest a table for me, Lord, in the midst of my enemies. Even though there's only a step between me and them, I'm thinking maybe it's a big step. And David says, until they catch up, God sets up a table of fellowship and blessing. I can sit down with my enemies really all around me and not be distressed by them. They are who they are. But I am who I am, and I can live undistressed, calmly, peacefully, in the midst of the whole chaotic world that I happen to be part of. God can prepare a table of blessing for me in the midst of my enemies. So this kind of peace, this peace from God, it has sustained untold numbers of people during all the troublesome days recorded in the Old Testament. Now to us who live in New Testament days, to us who have experienced that spiritual miracle of new birth, this peace from God no longer comes from above. It comes from within. See, David had a view that said, oh God, oh God, and he cried out to God in times of need, and God would send circumstances that would minister to and for David. It came from above. Our prayers were ascending, and God's blessings were descending, and David says the Lord has sent peace to his people. God has done more than that for us who live in what I'm calling New Testament days. Peace from God these days is delivered by the Holy Spirit. He indwells every born-again believer. He is right there bringing peace, causing peace to take root in us, right within us, not coming to us in a time of anxiety, but creating something in us that is that of peace itself. The Spirit of God delivers it to everyone who yields themselves to him. This is how the Apostle Paul explained it. Romans 8, 6, he says, Now the mind that's governed by the flesh, well, that's the sinful mind, that's the unbelieving mind, The mind governed by the flesh is just death. But the mind that is governed by the Spirit, if you give yourself to the control of the Holy Spirit day by day, the one who's been given to you as a gift by Father and Son to guide you through this world, when we give ourselves to him, let him control our minds, it says what happens there, the The mind controlled by the spirit is characterized by life and peace. Peace comes with and from the Holy Spirit. Those who yield themselves, those who keep in step with him, automatically receive 
peace from God in the midst of their circumstance. So peace with God is a God-generated peace, something that God made happen, something that God provided for through the giving of his son to pay for our sins. We have peace with him. Peace from God is a God-given peace. God sends it, Old Testament days directly, New Testament days through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that God has sent to be with us at all times Here's just the third thing and a bit of a a final aspect of peace that can catch our attention this morning. This aspect does not focus upon the effect of peace. That is, it ends warfare and results in reconciliation. This aspect does not focus on the source of peace. That is, it comes from God and can only be given by God. This third aspect of peace It really focuses just upon the nature of it, its quality and identity. And so third of all, I'd share with you, the Bible talks about the peace that is truly of God. The kind of peace that's a God-like thing. The kind of peace that is God-like. It's a characteristic of God's own nature. And so the Apostle Paul, he pointed out to the Philippians, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, the peace of God that transcends all understanding. That says it goes beyond what human beings can just figure out and understand and define. It's a supernatural thing. The peace of God, it transcends all understanding. We pray for that regularly in our Garden of Prayer Sunday morning, don't we? We just say, oh, Father, and let the peace of God just sink into each one of us who look to you now because the Bible says that peace will guard and keep our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. It's not something we work up ourselves. It's not just us trying to be as peaceful of heart as we can be and then try to double that. It's something different altogether. It's all of a sudden you just find yourself saying, I'm, I'm at peace. Stress and strain and, and the despair that it can bring just really aren't part of me. Life hasn't necessarily changed, but I'm at peace. There's a settledness. In me, And I want us to think for a moment just about the quality of it, not uh, what it produces and not where it came from, but the quality of it when it's there. It's just that supernatural sense, to use an old phrase, that I am okay. That God has his hand upon me, that I am committed to him, The Holy Spirit is walking me into and through whatever kind of would-be troublesome thing that might come my way. But, you know, for me, it's not so troublesome. It's just a thing. And the thing that's more important is that God within me is allowing me to continue right on with a settled heart, with a peacefulness that I really can't explain And it's perfectly all right sometimes to say, it's just a God thing. God had to explain that to Job, remember? He said, Job, my ways are higher than your ways. 
Well, this peace goes beyond anything that human beings just normally on an emotional level can, can experience. It's just God-given settledness of heart and mind that is comparable to what God himself has. A settledness of heart and mind. No human can explain it, but it is an awesome thing to experience it. And the Bible says God intends it for us. The Holy Spirit brings it. Just a couple of verses as we close. Galatians 5.22, it says, Now the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. That means peace comes with him. If the Spirit is with us, if we're yielding ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit and not trying to just run our own lives, peace comes with the package. We don't say, oh, Spirit, help me to figure out how to be more peaceful. The Spirit is peaceful. He is peace. The fruit that he produces that comes with him, that characterizes him, is peace. So the Spirit is just filled with peace. If we're, if we're controlled by him, it'll fill us too. Then remember what Jesus said to his disciples just, just before he went back to heaven, just a few days before the crucifixion. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Now my peace, my peace I'm going to give you. Whew. If there's any person who was peaceful, who knew how to just be settled in the midst of all kinds of chaos, it was Jesus Christ. And Jesus didn't say there, now I'm going to teach you how to be peaceful. I'm going to teach you how to think, how to do this, how to work your way into a peaceful, settled state. He just says, the peace that I've got, I'm going to give you. And of course, it's going to come through the spirit that he has given to us. And then way back in the Old Testament, Isaiah had this notion that was true, given by the spirit. Isaiah 26.3 says this, Thou will, and I put it in the King James because it is just the words that resonate with me. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Isn't that a great combination? It's peace, but it's perfected peace. It's the whole deal. It's not just a moment of a peaceful thought, but God, you will keep this person in a state of perfect peace. Nothing ruffling them or distressing them or destroying their sense of equilibrium. They will be in perfect peace. We say, Isaiah, who, who is that that God will do this for? He says, whose mind is just stayed, is fixed on God, on you. Now that, see, that, that continues. The Father produces that peace in us when we just have our minds soaking up his truth and our relationship with him and our coming before him, even as we do every Sunday in worship and praise. You get your mind focused on God the Almighty, and it's like, how can, how can men, how can circumstances here knock you for a loop you know God we know God and so father son and spirit this is a quality of life that characterizes them the father is a peaceful being the son of God is a peaceful being 
the Spirit of God is a peaceful being. And so can we not say that the child of God, whose mind is settled and fixed upon Father, Son, and Spirit, does not wind up being a peaceful being as well. Our final thought, just taking a, a phrase from our Easter se- Christmas season, Luke chapter 2, verse 14, is what the angel said, glory to God in the highest, talking to the shepherds, talking to those who were the immediate ones present that, that Christmas night. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Too many people in this world, even at Christmas time, stop right there. Yep, Christmas is all about peace and having peace. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, on this earth, there will be peace to some. There'll be peace to some. Jesus himself said, you know, when the word about me gets out, I'm not going to bring peace everywhere. Some places I'll produce a sword. I'll produce division. People will hate you. Not necessarily welcome you in like a dear friend. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. To whom? To those on whom his favor rests. To those who respond to him in faith and belief. And when that takes place, when we receive what God has offered, when we believe what God has told us to be true, his favor, his grace, his mercy, and ultimately just that that incredible sense of, I'm good with this, peace of heart, it just settles into us. And Jesus, the coming of Jesus, has just made it all possible. The giving of Jesus' life on Calvary has made it all possible. So there's no more aspects to peace that we need to put together here. We can have peace with God because of what Jesus has done and how the Spirit has opened our eyes to it and we've received it. We can have peace from God because the Spirit is forever bringing the very goodness of God into us. And we can know actually the peace of God. We can have the same kind and quality of peace that Jesus himself demonstrated while he was here. I hope that word, that word will just be a single word that we can keep in our minds and and every time we think of it, have it just open up in all these ways. Our Heavenly Father... This is the season of the year we do have right on this tree behind me. Titles of Jesus given by Isaiah the prophet years ago. He is the Prince of Peace. He knew peace even while he walked on this world. Even while he had to face all the brokenness of life, he knew peace. And he died and gave his life so that we who were separated from you, who were enemies of God, could be brought into a peaceful fellowship, a treaty could be signed, and we could know we've been accepted and we belong and we are no longer at odds with the holy God, but in fact we are embraced by him.
Father, this is a peace that this season, help us, help us to understand it in the way that goes beyond human comprehension. Help us to feel it. The peace of God in our hearts, the very peace that characterized Jesus Christ, the very peace that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, just that deep down settledness of heart and soul that says, my life is right with God. Things are good and proper. And I thank God that my soul is settled. Father, may that be true of us all, for we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.